Welcome to our podcast for college Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Patrick Wainwright, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, today I'm joined by Father Stephen Pullis, a priest from the Archdiocese of Detroit, and he will be sharing with, with us the story of his vocation. Father Pullis grew up in Sterling Heights, Michigan. He was ordained a priest for the Archdiocese of Detroit in 2011. He received his licentiate degree in theology from the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas. In 2013, Father Steve was assigned as a priest secretary to the Archbishop of Detroit, Bishop Bigneron. He also served as a director of evangelization, catechesis, and schools in the Archdiocese of Detroit as well as an adjunct spiritual director at Sacred Heart Major Seminary here in Detroit. Now, since 2021, he has been assigned as Director of Graduate Pastoral Formation at the same seminary, Sacred Heart, and he was also a weekend associate priest at St. John Vianney Catholic Church. Father Steve, great to have you here. How are you doing? I'm great, Father Patrick. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great joy to be with you. Yeah, good to have you here. What have you been up to lately? Yeah, so, you know, getting ready for uh, the season of Lent for us as Catholics. Lent is such an important season, and Mm -hmm. as priests, it's very busy. So, uh, being at the seminary, I'm the director of liturgy as well. We've been just getting things ready for Lent, and uh, I'm, uh, I always love Lent. It gets me ready for uh, what the Lord is going to do at the great high holy days and for Easter. So, uh, it's been pretty busy, but uh, God has been good. Right, right. And uh, do you have any, I know you do a podcast, so mm-hmm. you did a podcast, Open Door Policy, before for the diocese, and now you did, you're doing Encounter, Grow, Witness. What yeah, is that about? You got it, yeah. Um, we started doing some podcasts like you to reach out to people Wonderful. and help people follow the Lord. Uh, so Open Door Policy, we did for a few years, just interviewing people, getting to know their stories around mm-hmm. Detroit and seeing how the grace of God was working there. We saw a great need for people who are in ministry, people who work right. in parishes or in other apostolates to help them. And so Encounter Grow Witness is a podcast specifically designed for people who are working in the church, kind of dealing with those challenges that are particular to working right. in the church and growing as disciples of the Lord. That's awesome. And also that gives you give them some support, I guess, from the archdiocese in a sense, right? So they, they hear yeah. the diocese, the priest from the diocese being concerned about their problems and giving some solutions sometimes, right? Yeah. One of the fun things has been we have different guests on and we usually thank them for the work they do in ministry. And sometimes right. they say, it's been a long time since someone thanked me. So I feel like that's one of the fun things we get to do is just appreciate the work that people are doing. That's awesome. Now, uh, podcast is also a hobby, but I was, I'm wondering, do you have any hobbies outside of podcasting and <laughs> any do. priestly things? I do. So I really love playing basketball. That's been one of the things I've loved since I was a little kid. I played in high school. Um, and uh, since being assigned to the seminary, I coached the basketball team. No way. Yeah. So What's you know, the name? What's the mascot? What's the name? We're the Lions, the, the Sacred Lions. Heart Lions. And uh, it's been a rough year, you know, still getting through all the COVID stuff. And so we didn't have as many games as usual. We couldn't find as many teams to play, but it was a lot of fun getting to work mm-hmm. with the men and getting to work on my jump shot. Do you play uh, basketball, no, Father? No, I'm terrible. I used to, I tried. Um, what happened to me, my story in that sense is when I was little, 
my mom sent me to those uh, like summer camps sure. things yeah. at a certain club. And I'm from Argentina. I grew, in, grew up in Argentina. So uh, we had a lot of things in those short camps. It was a two-week thing. You would learn how to swim, learn how to play soccer. Oh, so different sports right. or different activities. Correct. And then some, I remember uh, martial arts, like how to uh, yeah. judo or something, and then yeah. basketball. Okay. And I had never been to a basketball court. <laughs> so I'm walking to the first, my first day into the gym and I hear all the basketballs bouncing. Yeah. And all the, you know, the, the, this loud no echoing noise. And I said, what is this? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I'm walking in and then apparently the guy in charge called my name. Yeah. So I turn around and he's already passing me the ball. <laughs> And I didn't. I tried to grab it, and it's so heavy and big. I I had never had a bas. I never had a basketball ball at yeah. home, you know. So it hit me right in the nose, and it just was so painful. And then I tried to give it a try, but I said, "Nah, this is not for me," <laughs> you know. So I said I was a more a tennis guy okay, and yeah. soccer, and yeah. at school we played rugby. So rugby, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. That's how I tore my ACL, and that was the end of my rugby career. Okay, yeah, in high school. Yeah, well, to me, there are a few things more beautiful than the sound of squeaking shoes and bouncing balls from a gym mm. during practice time. So I really love. Maybe all those things that you don't right, love right, as right, much. Right. There. The squeaky, the squeaky noises. Those <laughs> yeah, are absolutely yeah. true. Very good. Well, um, so thank you again for joining us today. I'm glad that you have those healthy yeah. hobbies. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, one of them. We're going to talk in two episodes. Uh, I will have you as a guest. And oh, I get to come back again. Yes, 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 yes absolutely. And I hope that more than twice. But uh, <laughs> for now, only two. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about how the Sp Holy Spirit can work in our lives in next episode. But today, I was wondering how he worked in your life. And that's how sure. I guess you're a priest because the Holy Spirit yeah. you know, inspired you. I, and sometimes, uh, uh, you know, this podcast is for college students. And um, many times... Kids, guys think, I don't know, I when I was in college, I saw priests and I thought they're, they've been always priests. You, right. know, you never think right. that guy before was in college or high school, you know? So why yeah. don't you tell us your vocation story so that uh, those listening can have the, the first, you know, the story first sure. hand from a priest. Yeah. Yeah, I was not born a priest. Oh, uh, no. So that, that much, I, <laughs> didn't if, you, you come, if you think that, no. Didn't you come from Mars? I <laughs> yeah, thought the priest came from Mars. Uh, you know, my mom didn't get me with the little collar on in the uh, <laughs> in the nursery, in the in the. <laughs> that would be funny, there. right? Yeah. No, I came from a great Catholic family, though. You know, I'm one of 10 kids in my mm -hmm. family. I'm the ninth of 10, so... Um, always, you know, just am so grateful for my parents being open to life. And um, yeah, the, being the ninth child, I had a bunch of older siblings who were really good witnesses to me. And my parents were great witnesses. We took our faith very seriously. So we prayed mm -hmm. the rosary together every night. Mm -hmm. We wow. went to Mass every night. Every night we would pray the rosary together. Uh, we would uh, have dinner, do homework, watch Jeopardy, and then pray the rosary after Jeopardy. That was our, wow. our family aurorium, <laughs> yep. our, uh, our schedule. Right. Um, so I still love Jeopardy and I still love praying the rosary. Uh, so yeah, the faith was the center of our life. We went to Catholic school. We, would, uh, we were part of a religious education program beyond that as well. I was an altar server growing up. It was just the foundation of everything 
um, that we did, right? It was the way my family, my parents made decisions about Mm -hmm. where they would spend money or time or what we would do. And I I couldn't be more grateful for that. I didn't love it every moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a kid. There were times when I wanted us to take it less seriously. But when I got into college, um, I remember running into uh, our campus minister and she had asked that uh, this, it was a lay woman helping the uh, the priest there. That was at Madonna University. So this was at St. Mary's uh, College before uh, it became part of Madonna University. Uh, but St. Mary's in Orchard Lake, they had an adoration chapel there. And uh, she was asking a bunch of us to sign up for Eucharistic adoration. And I remember feeling very attracted to that in kind of a masculine way uh-huh. that they needed someone to stand guard so right. that it could be open for other people. Right. And I remember saying, yeah, I can do that. I can sign up for an hour a week mm-hmm. in between classes so that other people can go and pray. Right. My whole thought was like, I'll be there so that it can be right. open for other people. I wasn't even actually thinking about it being for me. Right. right but I right. thought, yeah, this is something good for me to do. Um, so I started doing Eucharistic adoration, going an hour a week when I was in college. I took some classes in philosophy because the college I went to required philosophy and theology. And I began to approach it in a way that was, um, thinking about it, you know, a little bit more than I did as a kid or as a Mm -hmm. a high schooler and really engaging the tough questions, especially around morality Mm -hmm. that I had, had not really engaged in as much and thinking about, okay, the church calls us to live a way of life that's radically different than the world does, right? right? In a way that the world often mocks or kind of thinks is just simply old-fashioned. Right, right, right. and kind um, of loser type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, outdated. And I, I remember thinking, oh, you know, like it, I want to learn more about that or, or being forced to read things for class and saying, oh, well, this is much more about the good of the human person than the liberty that the world promises that's right. really an enslavement to our passions. Um, and begin begin to learn more about what the church teaches in uh, in the person of Jesus, too, mm-hmm. right? Proposing Jesus to us. And that was convincing. And then the third piece of it in college for me was meeting other people my age who really knew and loved Jesus Christ, who mm-hmm. weren't kind of just going along with their faith because their parents made them do it right. or because they didn't have anything else to do, but because they were convinced that it was true and good and beautiful. And for me, that was such an impressionable time that I was in college and I was learning how to pray in Eucharistic mm-hmm. adoration, making good friendships and kind of people who who could help me know how to follow Jesus as a 18, 19-year-old right. young man, and then engaging the intellectual parts of my faith, that it began to blossom in different ways. And I took my faith more and more seriously uh, as I as I grew, as I continued in college. Mm-hmm. And I'd always loved my family, loved the foundation they gave me. But for me at that point, I needed someone beyond my family to right. help me grow right. in my faith. Right. Um, so uh, a couple of years into college, I was very interested in politics. I was a political science major. A friend of mine pointed me towards a, a political campaign in the area, and I signed up to help with that, took that as a summer job. Wow. And I loved it. It was a ton of fun. Wow. But it was also like I just saw lots of ways I was compromising in my life by doing that. Right. And, um, you know, I, I began to think like if I am not going to be a horrible person, if I'm going to prevent <laughs> or if I'm going to prevent me from becoming a horrible person, I need to be even more engaged in my faith. So I began to take my time and adoration more seriously. Right. I began to pray more intentionally, not just 
running the clock out for an hour, mm-hmm. but pray my rosary, read scripture. Um, I began to go to daily mass more often. Wow! And I thought, well, I, that that sounded pretty impressive. By yeah, the way, well, yeah. Well, they had it at the at the university, and I thought, well, I don't want to become a horrible person. I see the temptations <laughs> that are possible in this kind of way of life I want to live. Right. right. I wanted to get into politics, and I I need God's grace more and more in my life. I was thinking about that as kind of a college student, right? I need these foundations in my life. So I started going to daily mass and um, took adoration more seriously, and just being there. I think of, you know, a little bit like being in the sun, how now I'm Irish, so the way mm-hmm. I tan is from going completely white to one shade darker than completely white. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it's not, a, it's not a lot of tanning, but just being in the sun, your skin changes a bit. I found that being in Jesus's presence and adoration wow. that I began to just, just change a bit, right? Began to like know his words and understand mm-hmm. him a little bit more. And um, I just felt at so much peace in adoration. I was working 20 hours a week. I was going to school full time. I had lots of social commitments. I was really busy, and I loved being busy. And then I would take an hour a week and go to adoration and have nothing to do but just be with Jesus. And I loved it. It was like the the detox or the antidote for, for the craziness of the rest of my life. And I began to really love being with him in adoration. Um, and so towards the end of my, my junior year of college, I was thinking about um, um, uh, preparing for law school and working in politics. And I just had this overwhelming image come to my mind that God wanted me to be a priest. That, wow, just out of the blue. Yeah, you know, kind of like, like Incredible. A, a picture you'd see in a movie, right? That me uh, with the vestments on. And Father, I had never thought of that before. And I thought, what the heck is going on? <laughs> this is wow. not what I, uh, it's not the direction I wanted my life it to take. It definitely didn't come from you. It's it not a thought not. that came from you. <laughs> no, it didn't come from me. And I didn't receive it as something I wanted initially. Right. And luckily, there was a very good holy priest in the area at that time, uh, Father Xavier Ray. Yeah, one of the Father Milas Xavier. Christians. Shout out for Father Xavier in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. and he, oh, I make him listen to this episode. Like, hey, yeah, Father, exactly. you need to listen to this. <laughs> and so he was a, a priest I could go and talk to. And I remember, you know, I was still very, like, crudely formed in these things. But I remember going to him and saying, Father, I think God might want me to be a priest. I don't want to do it. How do I mm-hmm. get rid of that? Right, right. Right. And so he was very patient and he said, well, you know, Steve, uh, you should come on a retreat and I'm going to put a retreat on for you because if you want to know God's will in your life, um, then you need to take time in a retreat and do it. And if you ignore it, you might be building your life on sand. I said, okay, Father, if I need to do that, fine. So I went to the retreat and I made all these compromises with the Lord the first couple of days. Like, God, I don't want to do this. I'll do this for right, you. I'll right, do right, that that's right, for typical, you. <laughs> yeah. Typical, typical. <laughs> yeah, right? Kind of bargaining with him. Right. And there was all this tension in my mm-hmm. in my heart, in my mind, and didn't sleep well, was all agitated. And towards the end of the second day, I remember like just giving up and like in the least generous way possible, right. saying, okay, fine, God, if you want me to be a priest, fine. You win. Life will be miserable, but I give up. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said that, what I thought was going to be, you know, this kind of prison I was putting myself in became a kind of freedom and peace I didn't know existed before. And God would, just wanted me to say yes to him. And mm-hmm. then he flooded me with peace wow. and grace and joy that this is what uh, he had called me to do. 
And really from that point, there was a lot of discernment and prayer and, you know, praying and talking about it. But from that point, I was, I was very convinced that's what God wanted me to do. So uh, quick question. Yeah. So I remember when you were doing that retreat. Yeah. I, uh, Father Xavier, of course, is one of Midas Christi priests. And he's, he was with me when we started our community here in, in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so those were, was it a, a spiritual exercises retreat? Yeah, it, it was the three-day retreat that Milos oh, Christie usually does. He had offered a couple of times when they were scheduled to, right. to do them, and I couldn't make it. I had other obligations. And so he said, well, what time would work for you? And I gave him some time, and he said, okay, I'll do one just for you. And then to help me not feel so awkward, he got another guy to come uh-huh. on. Uh, John, uh, John, John Newman. John Newman. Definitely. Uh, joined yeah, in solidarity just so it wouldn't be so awkward. Of one Shout on one. out to John Newman, too. I'll, have, <laughs> yeah. I'll make John Newman listen to this episode and yeah. see how impactful his presence was that weekend. Yeah, and that was a great help. I remember getting the... Uh, the chain on the thurible all all tangled up too for uh-huh. holy hour. <laughs> Very good. You did a- but, but adoration. He, we did adoration, but even getting the thurible chain, the incense uh, chain tangled up, couldn't prevent God's grace from breaking into my life. There. Very good. That's awesome. Uh, Very yeah. good. Well, and how briefly? How did it go from there? Like you said, yes to Jesus in your heart. You didn't go yeah. out and tell everybody or something. You you just no, I didn't. So this some was process. Has yeah, to this happen. was December of my senior year. I had. Um, I had actually back home on my desk, I had a number of applications to law schools all lined up ready to go. And I hadn't mailed them yet. Um, And I remember going home and saying like, no, like this is what God wants me to do. I'm not going to go to law school. That's amazing. And so at Christmas, my family, you know, we all got together. I said, I'm one of 10, a bunch of them are older. So I had a bunch of nieces and nephews. What number are you in the the Uh, 10? So I'm the ninth of 10. I have a little sister, but the rest are older. So a little baby boy. (laughs) Yep, I'm the youngest boy. Okay. Um, And uh, I remember my family asking me at Christmas. I told my parents a few days before. By the way, footnote. Yeah. This is a weird thing. (laughs) In most of our Minas Christi priests... Yeah. All of us are either oldest? the oldest or the youngest. Mm. The any, anyone who is not the oldest and the youngest, it's maybe because he's the only child, oh. you know, or only boy. <laughs> so basically, he's the oldest boy or the youngest boy. Nobody. Do up you to now, do you take any? Yeah. that are not oldest. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. Okay. Which is just a reality. Maybe now that we're more priests, but for a long time, for like twenty-five yeah. years, it was always. Either the oldest or the youngest. And One of the bookends. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. So now you you confirm the the, the, the rule. <laughs> well, yeah, the youngest boy. Yeah. So wow. Um, so I told my parents uh, a couple of days after the retreat, and then on Christmas my whole family was over, and I made an announcement, which we never do in our family, but everyone was wow. gathered. We do this like gift exchange after Christmas, uh-huh. and so I just got up on the staircase and said, "Hey, everyone, I have an announcement to make." And like, we never do that. So and there was a it, silence. It was silence like, uh-oh, <laughs> this could be really good or really bad. Right. right? Um, and then I told my family and everyone was very happy for me. That's I looked, awesome. I looked at a few different religious orders that year. I uh-huh. talked with Father Xavier about uh-huh. Milos Christi, but I felt called to the diocesan Perfect. priesthood. And so I entered the seminary That's awesome. uh, that, that following fall. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, very good. Any other thing? One thing I think everybody would like to know, yeah. uh, typically when you talk to a priest about we, you don't get to talk to a priest about his vocation and his personal experiences. Sure. So 
in your years as so you were ordained in 2011 2011 so yep. since 2011 so it's about 10 years now it's 10 and a half already, years and a half. yeah yeah uh, so in these 10 and a half years yeah uh what were your most uh let's say impacting experiences that you could share with us sure i've had a very odd priesthood compared to mm -hmm. most diocesan priests you know i went to seminary and was preparing thinking i would be in a parish like mm -hmm. that's what most of us do as diocesan priests and two years after i was ordained the archbishop called and said i'd like you to come work with me as my um secretary. as my secretary then i got pretty assigned. amazing yeah yeah pretty terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. For a recently ordained priest, <laughs> right. absolutely, yeah. Um, and then I got assigned to work in our chancery, our headquarters as the director of mm -hmm. evangelization and catechesis in schools. And now I work in the, the seminary. So I haven't had the same experience most priests have had working right. in a parish as much. But one of the most beautiful things to me, I, I guess I'll, I'll talk about two. Okay. One, um, Living and working with Archbishop Vigneron. Wow. Like, it's not an easy job being a, an archbishop, right? right? There's no, lots absolutely. of demands. And, and the and amount of weight, the responsibility yeah. that weighs on your shoulders. Yeah. And the, all the decisions you make affect a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's impossible to make any decision that people won't be upset about, right. let alone the right decision, right, that God wants you to make and that you, in your judgment, think is best. And just to see him as a man of prayer as a, a man who cares right. about people and a man who really sees, you know, his his role as understanding how the Holy Spirit is using him. Um, that's been very edifying, very a great blessing for me as a priest to, to see that so closely. Um, you know, the, the other part of it has been working with the seminarians, which is awesome it's just <laughs> a, it's a lot of fun because I see myself in them often, right? Uh -huh. Kind of these these challenges or struggles. And I was discerning in the early 2000s. They're discerning in the 2020s now. Right. And so the, 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 light, the world has changed a bit, a right? The church even has changed. There's smartphones. Been, smartphones are, are like ubiquitous. They're everywhere right. in the temptations Babies and distractions. Smartphones. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I feel like that's been just such a grace for me to, to be a spiritual father to them and to help them grow in understanding how God's calling them. And how God wants to use me and other priests and, and the church to prepare them to be the priests that God wants them to be. That's been, yeah, just such an incredible grace to, to be that role in their life. Um, so I'm very grateful to the Lord for that. Perfect. Very good. Well, and do you have any suggestions for this, this podcast is for young men and women that are in college that are, yeah. they're not necessarily super devout or they're like thinking about vocation or anything, you know, but anything that you think they could do to find God's will in their lives, God's vocation in the sense of generally speaking. Sure. Um, or even if they're thinking about serious questions in life, like what career to take, what major to declare, you know, any thoughts or any ideas that you have like to help them go, do a good decision? Yeah. Uh, so two things here too. First, um, sometimes people are kind of on the fence about their faith even, right? Um, to know, should, should I continue going to church? Is it worth it? Is this Absolutely. just a waste of time? And I think, you know, those questions God wants to answer, but we have to give him a chance to answer them. And he answers them through um, through our opening our hearts to him and really asking, not as a skeptic or a kind of a, a Pharisee, right. yeah, or trying to trick him, but to ask him as a beloved son, to ask him as a beloved daughter and to say, 
okay, like I, I need help in understanding how you want me to live here or, or why I need to do this. Like our father in heaven loves to give good gifts to those who ask for them mm-hmm. and who ask his sons and daughters. So don't be afraid of those questions, but ask them as sons and daughters, not as mm-hmm. inquisitors. Um, and then, and then don't be afraid that the church doesn't have the answer, right? Like the wisdom of the church is so beautiful that questions about science or morality or questions about um, all the things we get bombarded with from the world, to have confidence that the church has the answer. And mm-hmm. maybe the first person you talk to doesn't know everything, um, and you have to be discerning with your sources to make sure you're not being led astray. But to have confidence, open up your catechism or right. ask one of the the Milas Christi priests here. Mm-hmm. You know, They'll help you understand the way uh, you can do that. Um, so on questions of faith, I would say, you know, those are two important things, to ask the Lord from your heart and then to to seek out the answer by asking others in the church. The the more discernment questions about what major should I do, what college should I go to, should I take that internship? One of the things, and Father, maybe you see this too, I see a lot of young people who are anxious or nervous about making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that can paralyze people. God wants us to be free as his children. So the more we're praying and the more we're saying, Lord, what's your will for me? And then confidently stepping into that, you know? So and you might make a mistake, but if you're doing it again as a son or daughter and saying, right. okay, God, like, I want to do this for your glory. I want to do this because I think it'll help make me a saint. Um, you're not going to go too far if you do that. So taking an internship or whether it's about dating or, or uh, a job or a major or anything like Think, what's going to give God glory? What's going to help right. me become a saint? Right. And then go there confidently. God doesn't want us to be tiptoeing. He right. wants us to be missionaries walking with confidence. So go confidently. Uh, trust that the Lord is with you. And if you need to reevaluate, go see a priest you trust to to see if you should make a change. Very good. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, that is really good. Really good. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for sharing your story of your vocation. I know it's uh, something important that we all have, and I think it can be very helpful to others to hear it, just to hear it and know, yeah. oh, a priest went through this, you know, uh, and also sharing your wisdom with us. So I'm really glad that you were able to do this and uh, look forward to having your next episode with us. Uh, there we will be talking about the Holy Spirit and in what ways he can act in our life. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I encourage you to listen to our next episode with Father Steve. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, don't hesitate to send me an email at info at fourcollegecatholics.org. Make sure you listen to Father Steve and Encounter, Grow, Witness podcast of the Archdiocese of Detroit. And if you can, leave a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify so that others may be encouraged to listen as well. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.